Welcome to the Talking With Tech podcast. My name is Chris Bouguet, and I'm here not with Rachel Madel today. I have two special guests. One, Melissa Bouguet, and two, Tucker Bouguet. How's it going, family? Hey. Hi. How are you? So Maggie's not here in the closet with us today. It's just the three of us. And we are going to chat about an event that you participated in today, Tucker. So, uh, Tucker, you are a senior in high school at the time of this recording with just... Um, a couple years left before you graduate. What's the What's the plan? A couple months. Month? Did I Did I miss? Yeah, <laughs> that was a little slip right there. I know. I wish we had a few more years, but he's going in a couple months, babe. A couple weeks, really, because it's the end of the school year. But right. today you participated in an event. Tell us all about it. What was it called, and what did you do? So today I participated in the unified track meet for Special Olympics, and I participated as a sousaphone in the. We put together a pep band uh, to participate. So we went out, we played our usual stand tunes out on the field while everyone else was out doing their uh, uh, activities, like, you know, hurdles and sprints and soccer. They had giant soccer balls. Yeah, we generally just provided music and fun. And at one point, I, uh, one kid really wanted to see my tuba, so I uh, brought him across the field so he could see my tuba and be in a picture. Uh, because he wouldn't be in there otherwise. Now, this uh, you say tuba, but really it's a sousaphone, yes, right? Yes, my to, sousaphone. To create an image for people, it's one of those instruments that wrap around you and has the big bell facing forward, right? Yes. It's called a sousaphone because it was uh, designed in. It was designed by Philip J. Sousa. Uh, okay, and so then tell us more about this student. How did he get interested in the in seeing your sousa or playing with it or what? How did that happen? Uh, a teacher approached me and just said, hey, well, I have a kid here, and I wanted to be in a picture, but he won't move unless he sees the sousaphone. So I uh, got my sousaphone on, and I started playing a little bit, and I just uh, I let him play on the keys a little bit, and then we just kind of gradually wandered over to the area where the picture was being taken. Gotcha, gotcha. So you were blowing through the sousaphone while he was operating the keys? Yes. Yeah, awesome, awesome. That, to me, is sort of like something we talk about with gaming is um, uh, co-pilot mode, right? Where, the, where two people can be playing uh, the same video game. One person might be operating the pedals of the car while someone else is driving it. You know? Yes. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. And then, Melissa... And I think it's important to mention all ages, right? All ages yeah. were oh, there. Yes, it, the, at the Special Olympics event, there was high school, middle school, and elementary. Oh, so they like bust people in from all the different area schools. Yes. Cool, and your job was to be with the rest of the band playing in the stands, that's what the pep band does? Yes. Mm -hmm. Cool, and that's why you got to see the whole field and saw everybody playing. Yeah, well, we were on the field participating and uh, you know, just playing sand tunes on the corner of the field. Awesome, awesome. And then we had a proud mama moment. We did, because then later this afternoon I was driving home and I get I get home and I park in the, the driveway and I pull up my, you know, Facebook and I open it up and a friend of mine who's a principal at the local elementary school by where we live had written me and said, hey, is this your tuba? And I said, that is my sousaphone. I am so happy to claim him. And she said, I have a fun story for you. And so she wrote me the whole story, sent me all these pictures, and in fact said um, that she wasn't able, she had to leave after an hour to go to some meetings. But her staff said that it was the best part of the whole thing was Tucker connecting with their kid at, at this elementary school. And they were really grateful. Yeah, that was definitely my favorite part of the meet. 
<laughs> was helping the student come take a picture? Yes. Uh, let me ask, did you see any AAC? No, I wasn't able to see any AAC because I was sitting in the corner for most of the uh, event. I just walked over uh, right across the field, pretty much, just mm -hmm. to go take the picture, and then I walked back. But, yeah, it was... I mean, I'm sure there was... I'm sure there was a ton of AAC going on in there. Mm -hmm. You just didn't happen to see it because of where you were. Yes. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Would you um, would you want to do it again? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I would love to have this happen at way more schools. I am actually, in fact, in um, talks with the Special Olympics to get it at my elementary school in my area. So gotcha. I want to start that next year. Awesome. All right. Well, let us know how it goes. Thanks. All right. Well, speaking of um, events at schools, the uh, interview that's coming up today is actually with a student. Uh, Rachel and I had the great fortune of meeting this student, LJ, yes! uh, at ATIA. Um, I had met his mom prior to this, but then got to meet LJ at ATIA. And so that's our interview today. It's talking with this um, amazing student here uh, uh, in our neck of the woods. He lives here in, northern, in the Northern Virginia area. So. And I can remember you coming home from ATIA, speaking of highlights of days, and that was a highlight for you at ATIA. You you did, you had such a huge smile on your face the entire time you told that story. You sounded like a kid I would love to meet. I just, he's so super cool. I can't wait to hear his interview. So without further ado, here's our interview with LJ Seif. Do you love this podcast? We would love for you to take a second and leave us a review on iTunes. That way more people can find this podcast and learn how to support individuals using AAC. We also love hearing from our listeners. It reminds us that all of the hard work we put into this podcast really matters. And don't forget to subscribe so you always know when we release new podcasts. Now let's head back into the episode. Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Mato, joined today by Chris Bouguet and LJ Saif. Uh, LJ, we're so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, LJ, can you start off by just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well... My name is Lewis, but everybody calls me LJ. When I started school in kindergarten, my teacher's name was also Lewis, and we also have classmates named Lewis and Louise. So it was just easier on everyone to call me by my first and middle name initials. And I guess it's fair to say it as stuck. I am 14 years old. I am in the seventh grade near you, Chris. I love helping teachers understand what they're doing wrong for students with AAC and how to fix those issues. I like to enjoy family time, working on computers, encoding and downhill skiing. I have cerebral palsy and cortical visual impairment. Awesome, LJ. We're, we're excited to have you here today. Um, 
it's really awesome when we have AAC users on the podcast because we get to hear all about their journey. So can you share with our listeners a little bit about how you were first introduced to AAC and the experience of learning language through AAC? We used laminated photos of my family and symbols like more tired from board maker. These were on the ring which were attached to my stroller and I would point to whatever I was feeling or wanted to say. Preschool at first we used a Don Johnson. A Don Johnson is great for young kids I would say at first. I will tell you first, this is not what you would want your student to be on on long term. It is a limited number of phrases to have. It's just one page and that's it. Unlike Lamp Words for Life or Unity, the school was called Integration Station and I attended a regular classroom of students and the specialist pushed in. There were several other children with disabilities included in this model of teaching. At that time, we also used an iPad with ProLoco to go. A big shout out to the new ProLoco. It is fantastic. Towards the latter part of preschool, my speech therapist started trialing a Toby Dynabot and the PRC suite of products. Because I had some fine motor limitation, we used different key guards and key guides. After the full evaluation, I received my first dedicated speech generating device at the age of five. I'm 14 now. Now I use an Accent 1000 from PRC with Unity for software. As I've grown older, I have learned to advocate for myself in school. One of my biggest frustrations is when teachers don't think about my devices in the classroom setting. I think they don't know how hard it is to interact with AAC. My IEP always points out that teachers especially need to have a pause time to give me time to gather my thoughts and responses. But not everyone does this in practice. Early on, phonetics, literacy, and spelling were really hard. I'm not gonna lie, I'm still a terrible speller. But thank goodness I'm starting to use the word prediction more. That has been very helpful. Also, when I was younger in school, I would have a lot of mishits. What are mishits? Let's quickly move off for a second. Mishits are when a user hits something she or he does not want. When my therapist made a delete word button and put it on my home screen, it was a total game changer. Another modification I needed was to bump up numbers on the QWERTY page up to top or to make it easier access for me. I use a computer functions page on my Accent 1000. It helps me especially when I'm writing documents. I have Bluetooth set up to my laptop and I can turn computer access on straight from my talker. 
then I can open slides, documents, whatever, and type what I want to write directly on the laptop from my talker. It's really cool. And my speech therapist. And I did a lot of language and learning it on the system. It was more than four words or vocabulary. I quickly grasped thoroughs and combining more complex concepts. Also, as I have grown, I am more involved with programming my vocabulary and content. <laughs> Is that everything, LJ? Yes. Okay, that was... Uh, an excellent explanation of what your system is and how it's set up and how it's evolved over time. Yeah. Um, so tell us, you talked a little bit about teachers. What about the community in general? What advice would you give people when they're out there in the community interacting with people who use AAC? Something that is frustrating is getting people to understand my AAC is a tool, not a toy. AAC should be known as someone's voice. There needs to be more awareness, both in schools and the community, about what AAC is. Oftentimes, strangers will ask the adult with me a question about me, and they don't know that I can speak for myself. I have also experienced teachers or facilitators talk over me to me as if I do not understand what they're saying. I feel like people don't ask me before they touch it if they can try or touch my device. It shows a lack of respect because they wouldn't like it if I used their things without permission. This is my voice and when they don't ask, I can't say no. And that makes me feel like I'm not heard. That makes me feel helpless. Likewise, we all have a different voice. We might yell or whisper. That's one example. We might speak in slang. For me, I quote switch a lot. I switched from Unity language to American Sign Language and OMG slang, etc. I wish there were some public service announcements about AAC so community members could learn more about AAC. Recently in my English class, we had a PSA assignment. I use it as a way to show my teacher and my classmates AAC is assistive technology to help me talk. They have assistive technology such as an iPhone, and my device is my computer. So, LJ, when you first started, uh, you said something that I wrote down on my little notepad to come back to. And then I, you just described it. You said um, you had some ideas of what teachers are doing wrong. And then you just described some of the things you're doing long, wrong, like going over and touching your device without asking. And um, 
uh, kind of imposing on there, right? Not waiting long enough. Or so these are some easy things that if we could get the word out, people could maybe become better at uh, being a better communication partner. Yeah. Mm. Something that just came into my brain. We need to make school board boards require a service training about AC Chris does your school schools have are have that and something that just came into my brain we need to make school boards require a pre-service training about AAC Chris does your schools have that all right, LJ. So here's the answer. Um, a couple of years ago, the year before the pandemic actually hit, so 2019, 2020, our school district actually did mandate a training that you were required to come to. Uh, in fact, we said it was three days. You didn't you didn't have to do three days in a row, but there was three days over the course of the year to come where you were required to learn about training. Now, so that's not everybody, LJ. That was only speech language pathologists. That was preschool teachers. That was teachers of uh, in autism programs, and it wasn't everybody. And uh, so, and that was three days. So that was pretty intensive. You know what I mean? It's a long time. So uh, here's the thing. So it, it, I would love for it to be everybody, and uh, I say. <laughs> I say, LJ, that it was required. Mm -hmm. It was mandatory, but was it really mandatory? Like there was, if if you didn't go, there was no consequence, you know? There's no pulling you down to the principal's office. How come you didn't do your homework? You know, like <laughs> it was just strongly encouraged and you'd be frowned upon if you didn't go. Yeah. Um, so where we live now and what I hope a lot of places have, LJ, in fact, I'd be curious if it's in your neck of the woods, is we have trainings that we strongly encourage you to do it. Like go on this on this website. We have listed out all sorts of uh, an online course. Uh, people pay lots of money, Rachel, for online courses. Right. <laughs> right? We do it for free for our school district. Yeah. Why are they not taking those courses? I those awesome free courses. <laughs> My school district made something called Project. My school district made something called Project Core. Yes, we're familiar with Project Core. It was developed by the University of North Carolina. Karen Erickson and her her uh, her friends down there helped put it together. Um, 
So, and I would say too, LJ, that we have more interest than ever in people taking it. So Rachel, we do have lots in our neck of the woods. Lots of people sign up for the one hour introductory course. I mean, we've had hundreds of people sign up and take that course. So I try and think of it as a good thing. Like, you know, five years ago, these courses and kind of stuff in the world didn't was there were there were that many right so now there's a lot more and more voices the podcast for sure right Rachel we've uh, um, a lot of people listen to this and uh, gets the voice out and get the get the word out wouldn't you say you know oftentimes we see in districts um, mandatory trainings on diversity equity and inclusion and I feel like this is one kind of out that one branch of that, right? Like this idea of inclusion, like how do we include people with disabilities and include AAC users as part of that, you know, and, and how to interact and LJ to what you said, as far as not people talking, like you're not there or that you don't understand and not giving you enough wait time. These are, you know, really simple things that people can start implementing, you know, and I think it's, it's some of the things in AAC are, okay, it takes a lot of time and practice to learn how to do this, but there's other things like just pausing and not talking about someone as they don't understand. Like these are things where hopefully when you learn it, you never do it that way again, you know? So, um, I just, I'll say it again, LJ. I love that. Great. Well, I think LJ, you could spearhead that in your district. Sounds like you already did the legwork with your PSA. Now the question is, how can you get a larger audience to see that PSA that you did? Uh, Rachel, I have another question for you. So at ATIA, I heard LJ had a session. I was not able to go because I think it was Saturday morning and I was on a flight and I had to leave. Did you get to go to LJ's session? You know what, Chris, I'm so sad that I didn't get to go, but let me tell you, LJ, your session was the talk afterwards. I heard a lot of people talking about how great your session was at ATIA, and then you were nice enough to share your slide deck with me prior to this interview. So I had a chance to go through it and I watched all the videos that you shared, seeing you do all types of programming modifications to your AAC for math. So tell me, tell us, tell our listeners, LJ, tell us what you talked about at ATIA. What was your session about that everyone was talking about how great it was? Sorry, I'm funny. <laughs> it's okay. No need to apologize. We're having a good old time over here. Never apologize for being funny. <laughs> Ever. Have you noticed that AAC programming people have mostly looked to literacy and overlooking math, but demonstrating math skills and solving math problems is necessary for me to receive my high school diploma, and it will help me be more independent in my life. It is just as important for me to master math as it is literacy. Like from my ATIA talk, I asked everyone who was in my session to think through math vocabulary that was not on my device as it came out of the box. I had the attendees do a padlet exercise and write the math terms they thought were missing. Some of the words they wrote were parabola, access, integer, hypotenuse, algorithm, coordinate, and infinity. Why do you think of speech therapists they are only worried about literacy? 
when it comes to programming or engineering the speech generating devices, are they including those of us who use AAC in the process of what to have available? I absolutely think we should be. Man. There's definitely a bias. You're right, LJ. You're revealing a bias. Speech language pathologists care about words and letters and literacy, and we're not always thinking about math. Um, and so I think it's really great. Your session was really wonderful um, and really just revealing this. Uh, one of my favorite things, LJ, about uh, what I saw from your presentation was uh, you sharing videos of you scribing uh, or using um, a communication partner and you were kind of having someone help you with a calculation. And so you used very specific language to talk about, you know, I want you to put uh, on the left, put the number five and on the right, put the number six and put a colon. And all of that was so useful for me as a speech language pathologist to see like, wow, like, you're right. Like you kind of probably need to see the same way that, you know, when I'm doing a math problem, I'm writing down and calculating, um, seeing that is really helpful. And so that was a, an aha moment for me, like, Hmm, how can I give that language and teach that language, um, to help support students who are trying to access, uh, mathematics. LJ, I have a follow-up question here about that. Um, Again, not I did not get to see the slide deck, but I'm curious, are you using any other third-party applications? Uh, specifically, I'm thinking of Equatio. Have you played with Equatio or seen it at all? So... I always think I should get it, but I haven't followed through. All right. Well, let me put so so you know how I think this works, LJ. It's sort of like listening to a, a new song or a band or like watching a movie. You have to hear it multiple times before you decide to adopt it. So let me be that next person. You probably heard it from other people. Equatio. Now you've heard it from me. Put it in. Put it in your list of things to go explore. I think you might find that it. Um, it is a tool that will help you do math more independently, you know? You, you you said you liked word prediction. This is sort of like math prediction. What does it have? So the first thing that it has uh, is the ability to use different ways to put the equation in. So you can use your voice, your your voice, it'll do speech recognition. Um, to, so instead of talking to a person, or maybe in addition to talking to a person, you're talking to the computer and it's, and it's typing out the math for you. Um, so that's one. And two, it can read it out loud. So if uh, you uses another tool called Read and Write for Google Chrome, but when you hit a play button, it'll read it out loud helps you keep organized, helps you turn things in. So again, I, this, this isn't a Quasio commercial, <laughs> but it's enough to, to maybe give you a little hint and maybe give it a, give it a shot. And uh, one more thing. Oh, go ahead, LJ. I can see you. Are you form putting something in? Mm -hmm. Was it in the show or no? Okay, we'll do. Also, I know so my people know your people. I can chat with them. We can t we can see about it. 
But here's the thing. Here's something else you should know. In our neck of the woods, um, Equatio is provided as a support that's available to anybody. So any student can have it, which sort of leads us to um, universal design for learning, right? When you are trying to design the experience for everybody and you're providing people options. So tell us about you, like you have some thoughts about how AAC could work in the classroom for, as a universal design for learning uh, support. What I want to say is educators must focus on UDL or universal design for learning for AAC users. They need to provide multiple means of representation and multiple means of action and expression. Like, say you want students who have motor challenges to hand draw a poster about science safety. You should let them make something online with Canva, for instance. Basically, provide other options for students to show what they know besides paper and pencil tasks. Also, try not to make scientific questions open-ended. Rather, it is more helpful for AAC users to have a B, C, D, multiple choice questions. Because as students using AAC, let me give you an example. If I were trying to submit the answer, movements, that right there's three button hits, two to get it and one to speak display. Whereas if I located it on the multiple choice option, it's one hit. Mitochondria on my science pages or button hits versus a single hit for a multiple choice answer. These are just some of my strategies to support more inclusion in the classroom setting. A good rule of thumb for every educator to ask themselves is this. Is X available to every student? And second, can every student use X? Those are awesome questions for them to ask themselves as they are designing their experiences. Since I'm on my soapbox about math lately, here's a math example. You have a learning target. It is to use a visual model and have all students show how fractions are equivalent with attention to how the number and size of the parts differ even though the two fractions are the same size. Two potential barriers exist. Students do not know what equivalency means. And our students may have only been exposed to one fraction model. In order to decrease obstacles, one could provide a graphic organizer that cues students into the key term equivalency during the math lesson. The teacher could send students a packet that includes cutout manipulatives such as a fraction bar to use during independent practice exercises. Love it, LJ. Those are really great suggestions. And I love how you're able to kind of share what you've thought about and reflected on 
that would be helpful for you um, as something that can be for all students, regardless of kind of where they're at in their journey of learning language and learning how to communicate. Um, so I think it's awesome that you're able to help give a voice um, to maybe some of your peers who are AAC users who don't have, you know, access to all of that language yet. Um, I think it's really helpful to hear about your perspective and in regards to the multiple choice, you know, I think that that at some level, it kind of goes against Chris, maybe what we would have advocated for before, as far as like open-ended questions. Um, I, I think that there's a place and time for both. Um, but what I'm hearing you say, LJ, is that, you know, the energy it takes you and the time it takes you to be able to demonstrate knowledge, um, you know, that's a factor to consider when we're thinking about designing educational experiences for students and, um, yeah, I just think that that was something that I wouldn't have thought about. Um, and it's just, it's really, it's eye-opening that you shared that. Okay, I have a couple of thoughts. Here's my, here's one thought. So LJ, in that example that you use where you um, either, you type out mitochondria or you select it from a list, right? And you're, you're thinking about the number of hits. Um, in universal design for learning, I might suggest that maybe the optimal way of doing that would be to provide the option of do both. Type in the answer or choose from a list. And then you could do whatever fits you best, you know, whatever works for you best. That's one thought. Second thought is, if you can describe what a mitochondria is and answer the question through a project that you've created, um, a presentation that you've done, if you've uh, made a podcast recording, if you have made a video, whatever, you, however you'd want to describe it, why do you need to take the test, <laughs> right? Why take it in the first place? Both ways, maybe. All right. <laughs> We're in agreement. Let people decide what works for them. <laughs> LJ, uh, bef I, I have another question that I, I don't know that it'll come up unless I ask it right now. And since you're talking a little bit about math, you did mention coding, right? And you know that I'm, um, uh, I do presentations on AAC and coding. Can you talk a little bit about that? What's your experience with coding? So, so I use Python. You use Python. That's what this school is teaching. Where could I watch you talking about AAC encoding? Yep. Uh, actually, uh, Rachel, I think there's a couple episodes in the podcast about AAC and coaching, right? Oh, uh, not coaching, coding. Sorry, with AAC and coding. Yeah, you probably could go to our website, ljtalkingwithtech.org, and search coding. 
We've definitely talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, I'll send you some stuff. I'll send you a link to my presentation. Well, trade. You could send me a link to your presentation and I'll send you a link to mine and I'll put some of the podcasts where we've talked about it. Sound good? Love it. LJ, I'm curious. Do you have any fun stories to share with us? At ATIM, the morning of my session, the time was 9.06, but I could not set up in my room because this good woman named Linda Burkhardt and her co-presenter had not finished, but I had a lot to set up. So, what do I do? Well, I went inside and went in the front of the room to where they were presenting where I interrupted and I say I need to move in. She was like, OMG, I am sorry. Okay, okay, she is not going to like me. Nope, that's wrong. I had no idea what a wonderful person she is and I am so embarrassed. She stayed and listened to my presentation, and I'm excited for working together with her to see if we can solve other issues for kids like me. So I went from not having the clue to the privilege of working with her. I kind of stalked her on the internet after I got home. She asked the real deal. Yeah, Linda Burkhardt is an AAC legend, LJ. <laughs> so this story is really funny. And I'm really excited to see you guys working together. I mean, that feels like a really great opportunity. And yeah, I love that story. That's funny. Rachel, I think this next question is all about the AAC community. And it's your question that you ask at the at the end of every episode. You're right. LJ, you're a listener of the podcast. So you probably heard me ask this question before. If you had a billboard that anyone, everyone would read, what would your billboard say? Tell us about your billboard. My billboard would say, AAC is a voice. And it will have flashing lights and lots of clever lesson pick symbols. It's going to have, it's going to be really busy. So everyone reads it, right? <laughs> Specifically lesson pick symbols up on the bulletin board. I like it. <laughs> I am pitching this idea to one of the goats. Chefless A. Andres. I love everything about him and all the good in the world he does. I have donated lots to World Central Kitchen. I don't know if you knew this about me. But I love cooking and baking, too. Here's my idea. Can I call him Jose? Could I be on a first name basis even if we've only once met? Think about the third leg of this tool. You are feeling these communities in need. How about thinking about creating a job market or even an internship for people like me? We just want to help too. I love it, LJ. And I'm so excited. You are 14 years old and have a lot of big ideas and a lot of passion. And I'm really excited to see what 
is in store for the world, um, having you in it advocating. I'm curious, uh, what's next on the horizon? What do you, what, what do you, plans do you have? You have so many great ideas. Which one are you going to run with? I'm going skiing. So adaptive skiing is awesome. What it is, is a bucket seat on top of two specially designed skis. And then there are outriggers that she clamp in. So it's thick skiing and I'm with an instructor who has tethers. They are like rings attached to the back of my chair. I move by moving my head and shoulders to help the instructor turn me right or left. Sadly, I am of no help when getting on or off the chairlift. Then it's my mom or dad who get to help lift the whole contraption with me in it. I love skiing super, super fast. I imagine Sugarloaf? Is that where you go? No. No Utah Park City. Oh. Ooh, fancy. He's fancy <laughs> over there. He's going to the big mountains. He's going to the Rocky Mountains. I'm like Black Black Diamonds <laughs> for LJ on the ski slopes. Sugarloaf is our local little bunny hill here in the <laughs> He's surpassed that, Chris. <laughs> Well, that sounds awesome, LJ. Good luck with uh, continuing to do the down downhill skiing and the math and the science and the coding and um, just every and the cooking, uh, all of it, all of it. Um, where can people find you? Connect with you? Learn more about you? What's uh, what's that look like for people? My email address is lubugdfgmail.com. Are you on Instagram? Never heard of it. Hundred percent, yes. We're all on Instagram. We're going to be friends now. We're going to also I include your Instagram. Fearless.upcreek. What was it again? My Instagram account is Fearless.upcreek. Okay, we'll Got make it. sure we have that linked in the show notes. I, jo Rachel and I always joke around about Instagram and Twitter because uh, Rachel's on Instagram and uses Instagram on the daily, right? And I use Twitter on the daily. So mm -hmm. it's we we have this uh, this ongoing joke between us. And I don't know how to use Twitter still. So <laughs> that's why I'm mostly on Instagram. But we're going to connect, LJ. I'm super excited. We'll share. We'll tag you in the episode because we share. We have a Talking With Tech Instagram, too. So excited to, to share when this episode drops. Thank you so much, LJ, for being here and sharing all your wisdom. I'm super excited to share this episode with all of our listeners. Uh, so for Talking With Tech, I'm Rachel Mado, joined by Chris Bougay and LJ Safe. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>